Welcome to Destiny Moments with Angel Murchison. Today on the broadcast, I have part one of a special message entitled Keys to the Kingdom by Nathan Pimentel from Household of Faith Ministries of Bangor, Maine. If you're with me, if you could take your Bibles with me and open it up to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16. I'm going to begin reading at verse 13. Really, I'm going to concentrate on verses 18 and verses 19, but we'll begin reading here at verse 13, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16. The Bible says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Well, some say you're John the Baptist, others say you're Jeremiah, uh, Elijah, and others say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And I want to pause there long enough that when Peter said that he was the Christ and referred to him as the Christ, he wasn't referring to him by his last name as we do as natural people. Oh, that's Brother Pimentel, oh, that's Brother Shuttlesworth. But when Jesus declared that you are the Christ, G, uh, Peter was declaring that he was the anointed one that came from the right hand of the Father. Can somebody say Amen. So he said, you are the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and he said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who, who is in heaven. And then verse 18, Jesus said, and I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in the heavens. Verse 18 again, Jesus said, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I've heard people say, well, preacher, you don't understand the times that we're living in. We're actually struggling or we're going through things that people of old didn't have to go through. But I always remind them of this one thing, that Jesus Christ was not just any natural man. He was the son of the everlasting God. And Jesus knew right from the beginning that in 2013 and 2014 that we would be going through some things in this world that would try to put up a fight against the body of the Lord Jesus Christ but Jesus over 2,000 years ago he held his head up high and he said it doesn't matter what may come against you it doesn't matter what may happen in the world I want to uh, give you assurance of this one thing that I am going to build my church and that the gates of hell will not prevail against it God knew the rate of abortions that would happen here in the United States of America. God knew that they would try to legalize homosexual marriages from the East Coast to the West Coast. He knew that they would take the Ten Commandments out of the courthouse. But in the midst of all that, Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and the kingdom of hell shall not prevail against it. Can somebody say amen? And Jesus said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. <laughs> 
And whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on the earth is loosed in the heavens. And another portion of scripture, the Bible says that these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Can somebody say amen? See, as a believer, you were never meant to chase signs and wonders. But as a believer, you have been created and endued with power from on high to walk in the power and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says it doesn't matter where you may find yourself, where you go, what atmosphere you're around, signs and wonders ought to follow you as the believer. I remember a few years ago, I was in, I was at a coffee shop. I was at the local Starbucks, and this lady comes walking in, and she knew that I was a preacher, and she said, Preacher, I gotta ask you a question. She said, I went to my church up the road over there, and they, they have five pastors on staff. She had to mention to me that they have five pastors on staff, because the more you have on staff, I guess the godlier you are. And she said, Well, I, I need you to come. I, I went to my church, and there was five pastors, but they were all out of town, or they were busy doing something else, and so, I know you're a minister and now that I've bumped into you I want to ask you a question will you go with me to the Eastern Maine Medical Center in Bangor, Maine this lady was old enough to be my mom and she said I have a friend who I went to high school with and she has a son who's 27 years old and just a couple of weeks ago he took an episode and a spell came over him and they had to call the ambulance and before they could find out what was wrong with him he slipped into a coma and so when he got to the hospital they did these tests and they ran this and did that and did all these x-rays and did these exams to figure out what was wrong with him and they finally got to the bottom of the problem and the problem was he came down with the swine flu and because they caught it too late the swine flu had gone viral in his system and she said the reason I'm asking you to come in and pray with the family is because the doctor has just given them a phone call and said you need to come in today and you need to come and say your goodbye to your son because he's not going to wake up in the morning his life will end tonight somewhere during the night and so she asked me if I would go into the hospital and pray for this family and so I decided well if you're going to ask me to go and pray then I'm just going to go to the hospital people say did you receive a word from God no I didn't receive a word from God the only word from God that I need is written right here in this book and if it was my brother my father somebody in my family I would want somebody to to go in and pray. And so here I am, 20, I was 30, 31 years old at the time, 30 years old at the time. I walk into the hospital and as I walk into the hospital in the foyer, there's Louise waiting for me so she can take me into the room. And how many of us know that 27 years old, it's just way too early to die, especially from sickness and disease, that foul spirit. So as I walked into that hospital room with Louise, uh, I walk, I don't know if you've ever walked into a room with there's just death in the atmosphere. You know, there were about 15 people in that room. Everybody was crying. Everybody was just, you know, there was so much negativity. There was so much darkness and just death was in that room. And I walked in there and here's the doctor and the nurse. They're in the room. And I noticed the mother and I noticed the father. And I asked, I said, what's going on with your son? And she said, well, the doctor just said that my son is not going to make it through the night that he's going to die. He's only 27 years old. And so we asked if you would come and that you would, you would 
come and pray with us. And she said, if you would just pray a peace over our lives. And I told her, well, I didn't come to pray a peace over your life. But I came to eradicate that foul spirit out of the body of your son. And I told her, and I said, what's wrong with him? She said, well, the doctor said that he has the swine flu and his kidneys are beginning to shut down. His liver is beginning to swell. He's got these clots that are forming in his lungs. And I don't know how they found this out, but she said he's actually gone blind. He doesn't have his eyesight anymore. He's been in a coma for two weeks and he's on this life support. This machine is breathing for him. The moment they take this off of him, he'll just instantly die. And I told her, well, that's what the doctor said. And she said, yes, he's standing right here. You should have seen him. The doctor with his glasses halfway down his nose with a clipboard in his hand looking like he was so important. And I said, well, sister, I've come to tell you something that even though the doctor may have given you a report saying that your son is going to die, I've come as a servant of the Most High God and I've come to to declare to you that when I lay my hands on your son that he will not die but he shall live for the glory of God. Can somebody say amen? And I said, when I lay my hands on your son, I said, I'm not going to beg and plead with God but I'm going to take authority over that foul spirit and I'm going to command it to go in Jesus' name. And so I said, as I lay my hands on your son, not only is he going to wake up out of this bed, not only is he going to be healed and well, but he's going to live the remaining days of his life for the kingdom of God, and he's going to win as many souls as he can for God's kingdom. And so I didn't know whether this lady was saved or not. People asked me, was she saved? Was she a believer? Well, Jesus never went around in the Bible and asked people if they were believers. The Bible says that he came and he healed all that came to him for healing. And so some people just need a little bit of teaching. I realize that a lot of people are not at the same level, especially in in the New England area. They don't receive that teaching. It's not taught and preached uh, strong enough in their churches. And so I gave a little bit of teaching. And after I gave a little bit of teaching, I laid my hands on that young man right in front of the doctor, right in front of the nurse. And I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, not in your name, but in the name of Jesus, I command the clots to come off of your lungs. I command your kidneys to begin operating. I command your liver back to normal. And in Jesus' name, I command you to wake up and not die and live out your days for the glory of God. And everybody looked at me. I shook everybody's hand and I walked on out. Somebody said, you didn't wait to see if there was a manifestation. I don't need to wait to see if there's a manifestation. Because the Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14, this is the confidence that we have. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, we have the petitions we have asked of Him. So Friday, four days goes by, didn't it? Well... The next day goes by and I get a phone call from Louise and she said, "Uh, Nate, you're not going to believe this. I said, try me. And she says, Glenn is is alive. He's still not dead. His eyes are closed, but he, he didn't die. He's still alive. And I said, well, I wasn't expecting anything less than that. I get another phone call maybe a couple hours later. She said, you're not going to believe this. The clots that were forming on his lung, every single one of them clots have absolutely disappeared. The very next day she calls me up and say, his kidneys have begun to operate properly and his liver has gone back to normal size. I was leaving Bangor to go up to Newport, Vermont. I get a phone call and the lady says, you need to come to Eastern Maine Medical Center and you need to go to room 20. Seven, you're never gonna believe what has taken place. So I walk into that hospital room, and as I walk into that 
hospital room, here's this 27-year-old man who the doctor declared that he was going to die just five days earlier. And five days later, he's sitting up on his bed. I had a conversation with him for 45 minutes. And two years later, he's in southern Maine in full-time ministry and winning as many people as he can for the kingdom of God. And I've come to tell you in West Virginia today that if God can do it for a 27-year-old man in Bangor, Maine, then God can meet you right where you're at. Can somebody say amen? Jesus said, I've given you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in the heaven. But I want you to understand something, that the keys of the kingdom haven't been given to you so that you can establish your own agenda. The keys of the kingdom have been given to you so that you can establish the kingdom of God and see the kingdom of God here at work on the earth. Can somebody say amen? Amen. But in order for those keys to be in operation in our lives, there's a few things that we must understand. Number one, we need to understand that these keys of the kingdom, that this authority that we have received in our lives has come directly from the King of Kings and from the Lord of Lords. It didn't come from any man. It didn't come from any government. But Jesus said, I have given you authority. A lot of people say, well, the devil has a lot of power. He may have power. But Jesus said, you have authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing by any means shall harm you. And then Jesus, before he ascended to the right hand of the father, he says, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And my friend, with the very same spirit that raised up Christ living on the inside of you, there isn't a single power of darkness that can come up against you and be victorious in this day. Can somebody say amen? amen. Uh, preacher, you don't know the stronghold that we have here. You know how many times I hear preacher, you don't understand the stronghold that's here in New England. You don't understand the religious atmosphere. My friend, I've come to tell you, when you step into any place that has any type of stronghold, that stronghold has to bow down to the greater one that lives on the inside of you and you now become the stronghold because the Bible says that you've been endued with power and authority from on high to shut down every work of the enemy so you need to understand your power and authority doesn't come from yourself it comes directly from the king of kings and the lord of lords number two what people the mistake a lot of people make is you need to understand what is bound in heaven and what is loosed in the heavens in order to properly use the keys of the kingdom because without a clear understanding of what is bound and loosed in the heavens all we're doing is setting ourselves up for failure for the word of god says that my people perish for a lack of knowledge so if we want to win this fight against the enemy we're going to have to fill our natural minds with heavenly information that will always propel us into victory every time But you see, understanding that we have this authority and having this knowledge of what is bound in the heavens does us no good unless we begin to apply and exercise that authority in our lives. See, but what's happened in the modern church is we've exchanged our authority and power over the works of darkness. 
for a comfortable leather couch in the pastor's office where we can have a two-hour woe-is-me conversation. It's all about me. Pastor, I don't want to talk about anything else. All I want to do is talk about my problem, me, myself, and I, when the truth of the matter, you don't need a two-hour woe-is-me conversation because the Bible says just one touch from the hand of God will turn any situation around in your life. You may be here this morning. You may have received some bad news this week. But my friend, I've come to tell you, all you need is one touch from the hand of God. The solution to your problem is not found in watching Dr. Phil. It's not found in Oprah Winfrey. But just like the man who sat by the pool of Bethesda for 38 years, all you need is just one moment in the presence of God and he can change your situation. Can somebody say amen? Amen. You may be in a situation, well, preacher, it's over. I'm just going to give up. I'm going to throw in the towel. But there was a woman, the Bible says, that came from the village of Nain in Luke chapter 7. And the Bible says that this woman had one son. Her only son was in a coffin. He was getting ready, ready to be buried. And the Bible says at just the right time, Jesus showed up in just one moment in the presence of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He brought what was dead back to life and I've come to tell some of you who've been coming to church week after week after week and you feel like the passion and the fire for the things of God seem to be slipping away I've come to declare over your life that this morning is the morning that the hand of almighty God touches you and reignites the fire and the passion that you once had for the Lord can somebody say amen some of you it may feel like joy is dead in your life peace is dead in your life but I've come to tell you just one moment in the presence of God and your joy will be restored and your peace will be restored in Jesus name hallelujah I believe today is the day to bring back to life those things that once were dead in our lives I refuse cursings I refuse death but as for me and my house we are going to serve the Lord can somebody say amen See, the Bible tells us in the book of Acts that there was uh, something that separated the early church from everyone else. That even though that they were men with no special training, the Bible says they were uneducated men. They were just fishermen. The Bible says as the people of that day looked upon the, the disciples, they recognized that they were people who had been with Jesus. But sadly, in the modern church, what has happened is our Bible colleges have produced more believers with honorable degrees who reject or who lack the power of God in their lives and they insult the work of the cross by making ignorant statements such as, well, the Lord has caused you to be sick because he wants to bring you into something greater. I heard somebody tell a seven, eight-year-old boy and girl that the reason that they were stuck in a wheelchair is because God had something great planned for their life. And they went into their theological debates with a seven and an eight-year-old. But seven and eight-year-olds don't need to be hearing our theological debates. But what seven and eight-year-olds need to be hearing are the words of Peter and John, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus rise up and walk. Hallelujah. I've come to tell you that if that thing in your life is stealing your dreams, killing your joy, stealing your life, destroying your life, 
I don't care how many degree, degrees so-and-so may have splattered upon his wall. It doesn't matter how long so-and-so has been in the ministry. I'm 32 years old and I'm pretty confident when I say this, that God doesn't need to use the strategies of the devil to teach his children a lesson. Why? Because the Bible doesn't say that Jesus came to confirm the works of the devil, but the Bible says for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the enemy and that God is not the author or the cause of evil for the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above in whom there is no shadow of changing. But what has happened is we've been, we've been conditioned to believe that everything that happens to us negatively has all been caused by God or has all been allowed by God. But the truth of the matter is God allows to happen in your life what you as a believer allow to happen in your life. Because after creation, after he created man, uh, Adam and Eve, God looked at man and said, let them have dominion over the earth. The truth is God's waiting on his people to just exercise their authority. If we truly understand the power of prayer, we realize that God is only waiting on us to call on Him so that He can have legal access here in this world, so that He can begin to operate on your behalf. He spoke through the prophet Jeremiah and He said, Call on me and I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. You see, when you are a child of a king, you have the upper hand when you belong to Him because when everybody else is terrified about everything that is happening around them, you already had a knowledge of what was going to happen. He's given you the upper hand and he's promised to take you through. Can somebody say amen? amen? What has happened is religion has conditioned, manipulated us to say things, well, this may not be the best of God's will for me, but this must be one of those times where he just chooses to use his permissible will as if, you know, God has many wills for your life. And after closely reading the Bible, I've realized that God only has one will for your life. And the book of Romans says that that will is good, that will is pleasing, and it's perfect. And because God knows what is best for your life, Jesus said, I've given you the keys of the kingdom so that in every situation you will encounter in life, you will always have the weapons that you need to come out victorious. And so the truth is a lot of people have made a lot of ignorant statements and they've acted and they've said things that make the devil look like he has the power and that his work is irreversible. But my friend, there was only one man that reversed something. And the Bible says that his name was Jesus Christ. And that we, he has reversed our previous condition. And we're no longer sinners, but we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Paul said that we have been redeemed from the curse of the law. And that not we have been redeemed from part of the curse but we've been redeemed from the entire curse of the law instead of the curse of poverty over our lives the bible says that we have come into a covenant with god and as children of god we have the power to create wealth instead of the curse of sickness by the 39 stripes that jesus received says we don't have to be sick anymore but we can be healed according to the word of god instead of receiving what we really deserved as a people, Jesus said, for God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Can somebody say amen? amen. 
See, we've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and we've come into the kingdom of God's marvelous son. And in God's kingdom, we don't see sin, we don't see sickness, we don't see disease, we don't see poverty. And so if we don't see it over there in that kingdom, then I refuse to see it here in my life. I couldn't wait to share this message with my listeners today as... I listened to this CD. It really encouraged my heart, and I know that it has impacted you. Be sure to tune in next week for part two of this very special message.